everybody. To all of the veterans out there, thank you for your service. Welcome to the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. As always, we are coming to you from the Lou Fuse Automotive Group studio. My name is Michael Wellington, and the man across the table from me is my tag team partner. Many of you know him as the Natty King. His name is Brandon McNamee. Brandon, what's happening, my man? Oh, dude, I'm happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, we've got a very accomplished guest today. We have a gentleman that has achieved quite a bit in college baseball and the coaching ranks. We have Tony Vitello, who is the head coach at the University of Tennessee. He is the 2021 and 2022 Perfect Game and Rawlings National Coach of the Year, as well as the 2022 SEC Coach of the Year. Coach, we appreciate you joining us all the way from Knoxville. What's going on over there in the mountains? Oh, plenty. We're right in the middle of SEC season, which is even more reason why I'm jacked up to talk to you guys. We're excited to talk with you. It's been a lot of pitching rotation, lineup, schedule talk over here. So let's get into some other things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we definitely will. Well, let me cover a little bit of your history here. You played at University of Missouri, and then you had eight years of coaching under Tim Jamison there. You did three years at TCU and four years at Arkansas before becoming the head coach at Tennessee. And you, you've got six years under your belt at Tennessee, but really I look at it as five because you had a COVID year that took one season away from you. As you know, our podcast is all about mental health and, and talking about mental illness. I think it's important for people to know that one of your main facets of your job is to go out and find the best players in the country to come and play for you. And I think that, you know, the mental health conversation has, has become a lot larger in the last, let's say, five or six years. My first question is, you know, you've been doing this for 20 years. When you were, you know, recruiting players at Missouri in your first year in 2003, was there even any discussion about mental illness or mental health or, or, or players that you were looking for having these challenges? Or is this something that's just come to more to light in the last uh, handful of years? No, there, there was none. I, I don't recollect really at all my first five to 10 years doing this where it became even a part of the conversation. And looking back on it, probably a little bit of it was there were less issues there. Uh, I think that's fair to say. But I think also probably some issues were swept under the rug or tried people tried to keep those kind of in the closet and now times have changed. Yeah. I think one of the things that jumped out to me was when you go into a player's kitchen or living room and you sit down with the parents in these last handful of years, have both players and parents been more open about maybe a, a mental health condition that the kid is living with, or is that still something that people keep quiet and then you find out when the kid gets to your campus? No, I think there's been some issues where people are looking more for, hey, how can you accommodate my son or even daughter? Because as coaches here on our campus, we've become pretty close-knit, and we all want to help each other in recruiting. And any resources, ideas we have to accommodate people that have specific needs or some things that are obstacles for them off the field or even on the field that they need assistance with, we want to get it done. But yeah, there's also occasions where it could be a skill on the field. It doesn't matter. You get surprises when you get a recruit to actually show up on campus. That first two weeks of the start of the semester, I feel like you learn more about that person than you did during the entire recruiting process. I don't care how much you were around them. 
Do you think it's to the point where almost the parents and the kid may be even trying to hide it until they get to campus, until they get with the team? Yeah, when you deal with athletics, pride is such an important word. And in particular with males, you know, you don't want to show signs of weakness. Unfortunately, a big part of recruiting in our sport, I can speak to from my knowledge is it's almost like a game of poker. And it really doesn't need to be. At the end of the day, what you're looking for is a family and, of course, a coaching staff is a good match. And the best way to find a good match, it's almost like dating somebody, is get all the cards out on the table. But we're a partial scholarship sport, and probably one thing people think is, hey, if we show any kinks in the armor, our scholarship offer might go down. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that if I was a kid, knowing what I, you know, everybody knows my story in this podcast about living with bipolar disorder, and I I didn't know that I had bipolar when I was in college, so when I got recruited to play golf, you know, I certainly couldn't share that. I didn't know that I had the disorder until after I got out of school, but I, I think that's a great point you make, like... I can see how maybe a family or a kid or both the family and the kid might want to keep it under wraps until they find that comfortable situation for whatever sport they're going to play. Now, I know that since you've been the head coach at Tennessee, obviously your responsibility has changed from when you were at the other schools. You know, when you're when you're running the entire show, you're even more responsible for everybody that's on your roster and everybody that's in your clubhouse. You know, have there been situations that have come up since you become a head coach where a kid has either come to you and told you about a condition they have or something that you noticed just from their behavior that you guys had to address? Yeah, I mean, we serve as their pseudo parents when they're here, and we've got to look out for them. And don't get me wrong, it's self-serving. I mean, if they do well in the classroom, yeah, they get better grades, but also they're less distracted on the field, therefore likely to perform better. There's a bunch of other circumstances. There's a little bit of self-serving, but we got to look after these kids. And I'll tell you what, Mike, since the pandemic, it's been off the charts how many conversations I've had with guys that are just struggling with life in general and come to find out some of them had some anxiety issues or minor disorders, things going on like depression. And then others, too, we kind of noticed something's a little off. Let's let's maybe get a test or have a professional conversation. And we were the ones that helped things get discovered. But all in all, the conversations that occur in my office where I'm sitting now have tilted to at least 60 percent life, mental health, relationships, family as opposed to baseball, skill, mechanics, and things like that. Yeah, you know, you started your career in Mizzou. Is there anything that you've seen change from a protocol standpoint when it comes to mental health and being involved with one of these teams? In other words, obviously 20 years ago when you started cutting your teeth and getting going in the coaching ranks, you know, maybe this stuff wasn't as prevalent. Now, like you said, you got guys coming into your office to discuss all these different things. Is there anything that either the university does or maybe the conference does to help the kids deal with something that may arise? Sure. My knee-jerk reaction or just dudes having a conversation is I truly believe most people have a good heart, but the power of the lawsuit has changed a lot of things <laughs> and the power of social media influence where if you have one quote and poor taste on Twitter, you lose your job. So a lot of people are just flat out on eggshells. Oh, yeah. Now, something that's happened with administration is almost everyone now, especially with an SEC budget, has a mental health office and they may call it something different and it may be multiple people, one person, but there are professionals that our athletes and any other athlete in this particular department 
can seek out and, and have conversations that are not going to be reported back to coaches who ultimately hand out scholarships, make out lineups. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's extensive. In all the players that you've had play for you, at all the, the four different schools that you've worked, have you seen a difference between, or not a difference, but some of the kids that turn out to have a mental illness, whether it's depression or whether it's anxiety or whatever it might be, maybe it's bipolar even, but do those kids, do they have just as much talent to play the game as maybe a kid who doesn't have a mental health condition? Or is it the other way around? Like, does that... Does the mental health condition hamper their play or, or hinder their play? I think it's like any set of circumstances. If it's cold outside, you can uh, – I mean, the toughest cold weather player I ever coached or helped coach was Ian Kinsler. He's from Tucson, Arizona, and he transferred up to Missouri, and he's just a tough dude. Other guys wilt, you know, because they're a little bit cold. So it's like any set of circumstances, what you make of it. And I've seen some players actually – confront or meet the challenge of their issues head on and it actually makes them a stronger player and then the one disturbing thing that I've seen is when you do ignore signs of what's out there or you don't come forward with things that are going on it can eat at you and it can make you worse have you noticed, obviously you've been doing this a long time, have you noticed that you're getting a lot of them that are actually, I mean, you said that they are being more open with you. I guess they're not afraid to talk to you about shit that's going on that might be fucking them up a little bit. Like they're okay with telling you and they're coming to you and have you kind of like, is that is that more now than it used to yeah. be? Yeah, it is. And I mean, the big positive is you finally let the first curse words go. That way I'm not on. Oh, fuck, dude. Yeah, like please. About. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, hey, I'd like let I those said, fly. I'm- I'm used to these interviews like, hey, who are you pitching on Friday and stuff like oh, that. Oh, no, but, no. Uh, to directly answer your question, they come forward to us, and they typically pick a coaching staff member that they trust more than the right. other. And at times it can be the younger guys, like the volunteer coach or a student coach. Right. So that's a good thing. What's upsetting, or a little alarming even, is we repeatedly let them know about the professionals that we have across the street is where our building mm-hmm. is. And there's not as big of a number that you'd like to see go over there. Now, there's there's more kids than probably in the 90s going over there and sitting on a couch and saying, these are my feelings and this is these are the type of emotions I got going on. But I also know, you know pretty well that there's not as many going over there that should, even though we recommend it. Right. And they're probably terrified to go to you, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, you don't want to show sign of weakness. Right, and right. It, Again, we make the lineup up, so why is this guy going to trust me to pitch against South Carolina when I just came to him and said, I'm depressed about my girlfriend and I breaking up, or this is my dad puts pressure on me, or anything like this? I know that you know you guys had a tremendous run, in two th- both in t- 21 and 22. You had that trip to Omaha in 21, and your, your team in 22 is arguably better than that team. When you have a mental health situation pop up, do you find that the team rallies around the guys that are struggling or is it something that's that those guys who are struggling keep to themselves? They do. That's, that's the one tough thing. And where the guys perk up and listen to me as I say, all right, I'm single. Maybe I'm good or not good with females. I do have three sisters, but what females love is when guys are vulnerable and they're honest. And that's my way of encouraging Mm -hmm. them or joke with them a little bit. (laughs) Be vulnerable in the locker room or with the coaches, and you'll actually have more respect. Right. So the guys who are willing to step outside of their comfort zone and say, hey, sorry, you know, I didn't play well last week because I got this going on at home or whatever. 
it'll open up lines of communication and it'll also make the guys who have stuff going on themselves feel like, okay, I'm not the only one that's got some distractions or some issues going on. And again, even then I think some of the guys hold on to stuff too much and don't come out with what they got going on, but it, it, it does open up lines of communication and it does add comfort, even though it's at first a discomfort for that person that's coming forward with the truth. Yeah. And we try to tell like, you know, that's, that's everywhere. That's outside of the locker room too. That's just men in general. We don't say shit sure. about shit. And then once we do, I can't even, I, and I bet it's even, it's got to be even more stressful when you're in such a competitive, I mean, you might have like a couple of guys that are competing for the same spot. They don't want to fucking tell somebody, like they don't want to be the first one to break that. Because mm-hmm. then they might feel like, you know, that guy's got an advantage now because I just told, so I can't even imagine how, how much they hold that shit in. You know, it's got to yeah, be just. It, it, it's such a powerful thing to coach a kid who's not concerned what other people think. Yeah. And uh, we try and get our guys to be, hey, you need to be your best coach. And I'm here to support you or help you. But if you're worried about pleasing me every day, you're not going to be a good player. Right. The guys who naturally have that comfortable in their own skin type trait are your best players. So, again, if, if if the guys were willing to acknowledge that or just educated on that, they'd be more likely to understand being comfortable in your own skin as a person and saying who you are. I got this problem or this bothers me when this happens, or this triggers this thing, it'll actually make them a better person and a better player if they're an athlete. We have covered so much here. Let's take a quick break and come right back. We've been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting. The Street Smart Mental Health Podcast is powered by Birdies for Bipolar. Birdies for Bipolar aids veterans and civilians living with mental illness by using golf as recreational therapy. For more information, check out birdiesforbipolar.org. That's birdies, the number four, bipolar.org. Welcome back to Street Smart. Let's dig back in. I can't remember if you're still doing this. Please let us know. But I think you guys were doing some yoga work with your team. And my question is, you know, yoga is certainly physical, but it's very mental as well. Are you incorporating and continue to incorporate those types of activities for your team? And what other kind of mental you know, helpers are you allowing for the team? I mean, do you guys use a sports psychologist uh, along with the yoga? Like what kind of things are you doing to, you know, help your team with the mental side of the game? Yeah, we've got a sports psychologist that's over a part of that group I mentioned with the administration, but there's also some people that are there to help with substance abuse or anything else you can think of. We're up to, I think, five people now. So they, they each kind of have their own specialty. Those resources are available. A substance abuse is probably something that you'd have to deal with a lot at that level and that, that age, yeah. you know. And again, here's what sucks about society is when kids get here, how great would it be for all the athletes to get together and talk about drinking? Mm-hmm. And 
if you are going to drink, do this, don't the, you know, yeah. if you do do this, this is how it affects your body. Talk about a DUI. It should never happen. You can call anyone in the athletic department or your fraternity or sorority. You got Uber and stuff like that. You could prevent a lot of mistakes that occur if, if you were able to be a little more honest. But right. again, politically correct rules the world. And it definitely rules the world when it comes to a university. Yeah. So, But I, I think getting back to answer the yoga part, it's so huge. Being in your breath and being in the moment is almost impossible for these guys, especially with their phones in their hand. So to not have the phone and to sit there and listen to relaxing messages and music is a massive there start to having you know wellness mentally. But then the other things that come with it, too, are a benefit. Man, I've never done yoga, and I've always heard a lot of great things about it. I, I really have. It's a no-brainer. And now with YouTube, and you know, I use the Peloton app because my sister let me use it during the pandemic. You can mix in a 15- and 20-minute session. If you go to a yoga studio where there's cute girls and you got to <laughs> show up super early to get a spot because yeah. of it, yeah, that turns into like an hour, 45-minute deal. Yeah, and you got um, babes bending over in front of you, and you got a boner and shit. <laughs> and Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah, needs I that? like my job. I want to keep it. So I just <laughs> right. kind of stay up in my condo and yeah. do my deal for 20, 30 yeah. minutes. Just throw it, it on the serves, TV? Yeah, yeah. It serves as a way to meditate, a way to get peace of mind, a way to get flexibility and physical you know, advantages as well. So it, it's a no-brainer. It's one of those things that if you wrote down, like, what are like eight things that the most successful people in their business do? Jerry Seinfeld as a comedian, Tom Brady as a football player, a bunch of other people. Right. Almost everyone does some sort of meditation or yoga. And Mike, you asked, what else do we do? People write things down that are great at their job. Bob Knight, I'm looking at his picture here in my office. He used to keep a pen that would light up or glow in the dark. So when he woke up in the middle of the night with an idea, he could write it down. Successful people write things down. And so one thing we have our guys do is write down goals and stuff like that. But also, what do you struggle with over the course of a game when you doubt yourself? Write it down. When you have your best day as an athlete, what's going on off the field before you show up to work that day? Write it down. A bunch of other examples, but I think you get the... The point. Yeah, Mike, you write you you write shit down every day, don't you? You said it was like a gratitude, like I'm thankful for this today. I'm thankful, like a whole fucking shit. Yeah, I've always, I've kept a, I started keeping a gratitude journal at the very beginning of the pandemic. Before I even knew the pandemic was coming, I just happened to start then, and it's been it's been wonderful for my mental health. You know, you guys were just talking about the alcohol and, and the DWI thing, and, and Tony, do, do you think that if you go back the 20 years you've been doing this? Do you think nowadays, because of all the cell phones and all the social media, do you think the alcohol is something that there's less DWIs these days or DUIs, or do you think it's just the same and people are just, for lack of a better term, being stupid? No, I do think they're fewer. Thank goodness for the driving apps. We used to make guys show on their phone that they had either Lyft or Uber, and now we don't do that because, again, are you promoting drinking or you get into that That's stuff? That's a tough and, one. How nice would it be if you could just be honest about stuff and not worry about repercussions with every word you say? And I'm just talking in general, not even that mm -hmm. specific example. But no, I do think kids talk in their they're evolving a little bit. They're they're figuring stuff out. And if you're an old school coach, you could say athletes are devolving or students 
in the general population are devolving because now they they spend more time on their phone or they play more video games or something. But they're also advancing by figuring stuff out. Like it's not good to be hungover the next day. <laughs> you don't you don't get anything done. Hopefully that answer is kind of what you're getting at. No, absolutely it is. And so a number of episodes ago, we had our buddy Tim McKernan in, and I asked him what I'm about to ask you, but I asked him what he did. Is there anything he did specifically to keep an eye on his own mental health? And he had a very interesting answer. He said that every night before he would go to bed, he would before he would actually get in bed, he would watch the old Larry Sanders show because it would put him into a mood where he would laugh. And I thought that was an interesting little trick. Now, so the question for you is, you got a high-profile job. There's a lot of pressure to win in the SEC. You've had great success the last couple of years. You're traveling, whether it's with the team for games or you're traveling to recruit. What kind of things do you do to take care of yourself to make sure that you're where you need to be mentally? That's a good question. Yeah, I'm not as routine-oriented as some people, so it's not like every day this, this, this. But some common things for me is music. I know you're a huge believer in it, Mike. It's a mood booster, especially if you select wisely. If we lose a big game, I'm not going to wake up the next morning and listen to Nirvana right. or you know anything depressing. Ramstein. Yeah. <laughs> to, to lost. <laughs> no, that's for when you go to Europe and you're looking to rage. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But music is a tone setter. It, it creates emotion. And then, you know, at the end of the night, it's typically something that I'm going to space out and, you know, family guy, Seinfeld, talk to a buddy and, you know, just talk about silly crap for a few minutes so that you're not going to bed on edge about how the day went. You're kind of decompressing. And then also for me, exercise, when you sweat, not only is it a physical thing, you're, you're getting rid of waste, but to me, mentally, it's also kind of symbolic. The stuff is leaving your body that if you let it linger there, it's only going to do damage. You're, you're detoxing in a lot of different ways. So I don't have any one set routine. The one thing I'd probably do more than anything is try and have good perspective. When you see something on the news that's upsetting or someone reaches out to you and says, you know, do you have tickets to a game? My, my son has this heart condition or whatever make sure you take the second to realize where you are in, in life is not as important as you think. And the struggles that you have, even if you got them really, really bad, someone out there obviously has them worse. Man, that ain't no shit. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the music too, because we've done about, I don't know, 15 podcasts, and I think music's come up on 12 of them. Well, yeah. And it yeah. really, really is a powerful thing. Tony, I was going to tell you that I think you and Brandon are from the same neighborhood. Are we? Really? I think so. I believe so. Pleasant Hollow. Wow, Wedgwood for me. No shit. Yeah, I was Central Parkway in Shackelford. Okay, yeah. Hazelwood Junior I High. I could hear Hazelwood Central's football announcer when they would, you know, and they'd have a game on Saturdays back in oh, the day. Oh, shit, wow. <laughs> yeah, right up the road. Yeah, I don't think the Kmart we used to walk to is, is there. Oh, anymore, right up the road uh, from Central, yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. I was down there last week, and it's not there anymore. Or it is, but I don't know. There was a Grandpa Pigeons right up there, too. That was the spot. Oh, yes. That was where you went. You're high class. Yeah, we try to have a little St. Louis flavor with uh, the Street Smart Mental Health yeah, podcast. That's I didn't for know sure. that. That's cool, man. That's as you should. It's a it's a city based on tradition and and locations. Obviously, where your high school is located can either 
right. maybe get you a date or get you fired from the job. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's yeah. a pretty big deal yeah. around those parts. Yeah. Well, Coach, can't thank you enough for your time and your viewpoint. You deal with you know young guys and, and great athletes, and it's cool to hear your perspective. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. Big time, man. Really. Yeah, you bet. And not to end on a preachy note, but you know the one thing I thought about before jumping on here is I, I coach a bunch of competitors. And if they play ping pong, they want to win. If we track sleep on those whoop bracelets, they all want to sleep the best. So why do you not want to compete either with yourself or against others with your mindset? And that's for everybody. Exactly. Um, Not everyone gets the benefit of being an athlete. So your one chance to compete can be with your mindset. Where are you at? How can you get better at it? You know, research it, work at it, grade yourself out on it. And I don't see any how you're not happy with the results if you just improve a little and you approach it that way. Amen. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. Really, really, really appreciate you. And it was nice meeting you over the earbuds. <laughs> the airwaves. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Maybe in person sometime. Yeah, I'd love and, to. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you guys didn't bring up too many uh, stories from my past. That's, <laughs> that's helpful to my mental health. <laughs> of course. So that is the uh, head coach at the University of Tennessee baseball program, Tony Vitello. Thank you again, sir. And for my partner, Brandon McNamee, I'm Michael Wellington. We will see you next time on Street Smart. Thank you, guys.